Okay, so just want to address something right off the bat here. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of people are probably feeling a lot of things about this. I think it'd be weird if we didn't address it and talk about it right away before we get any deeper. Um, we forgot our kid moment of the week last week, man. Fuck. Yeah, guys, we're sorry. Neither of us caught Oof. it. We got through the whole episode and we closed it out and did not even realize until I was finished editing <laughs> the thing that uh, didn't didn't have one. I'm sorry to keep you in suspense for these these yeah. four days. I I know it. I know personally this has been eating you alive <laughs> from the inside. As soon as that podcast ended, you you rewound. You were like, wait. You went, wait, no. Wait, me, where's the... I'm going to go back. There must did have I just, been a... Did they I think just I spaced not? out. I spaced out. Let me check again. You did And you checked again, and it wasn't there. We can confirm for you you're not going crazy. You're correct. We forgot it. Good news is we will inform you of what our opinion was. At least a, a shame, like a, an a, opinion a shameful, brought upon unofficial. by shame. Yeah, like, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. now I got to think of one. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what was it, it's, Calvin? What it's, was it's, our... It's got to be that, um, well, that pretty much proves it. Yay! Yeah. But it doesn't prove your conspiracy theory. Aww. Aww. But it's worth looking into. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. We'll take it. Okay. <laughs> yeah that's a, that's gotta be it it was a very funny moment and uh anyway yeah sorry what about a, that everybody sorry about that <laughs> gary how about you uh tell me what you've been watching okay so try to imagine this like get in this headspace because i think because of this movie this is a very particularly dope thing that happened that yeah. i was able to give to someone okay so i had a friend that uh i hang out with to watch movies he's within my social circle Okay. And he uh, came over and was looking at my movie shelf and went, yo, I, what is this? And he pulled out a movie. Yeah. He had no idea what it was, never heard of it, didn't know when it came out, didn't recognize any of the actors in it as the movie played. So by the end of the movie, he didn't even know when yeah. it was made Yeah, and loved it as I did. Yeah. It follows. Oh, ooh. It right? follows. What it's a been good a while movie, for me too, man. dude. And I haven't seen that in, in years now. I think I really did forget how inspirational that movie is for me. Like the yeah. soundtrack of it follows is very clearly like what inspired the music for "There's Something in the Woods," my yeah. short film. Totally, it's crazy. Like while watching it, I was like, "Oh my god, I feel like a fucking ripoff." <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, this movie. This is not a spoiler. I think my favorite thing about it isn't the fear aspect, which is done well. It isn't yeah. the mythology, which is done well. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> like the, what era is this vibe? Yeah, yeah. It, none of them have cell phones in the movie. And when they huh. watch, they're, you know how like in all movies, because filmmakers can't not talk about movies in a movie. Yeah. Like there's always <laughs> like references and stuff. But in this movie, it's not like they're referencing old movies it's almost as if that's the era of hmm. cinema they're in at that point. Like their TVs are all like sixties TVs and they're constantly watching like interesting black and white sci-fi yeah. and none of them have new TVs. Nobody, you know, it's like this huh. weird thing where like, it's almost like film is stuck in the sixties in this universe <laughs> and there are no cell phones and all the cars are like seventies and eighties cars and there's some nineties cars, but nothing new. There are yeah. no like, 
you know, like the new Subaru Crosstrek. You know how you can just, in a movie <laughs> right. when it like drives yeah. by, you're just like, eh, that's a commercial. Like, <laughs> you're right. It's yeah. not a thing in this movie. Yeah. And it made my friend, when we finished it, truly believe that the movie was made in like 1998. He was wow. like, I thought that was like a 2001 at the latest. And I was like, yeah, no, that's new. That's like yeah. 2013. 2014. I think, 2014. I think that uh, horror movie yeah i get what you mean about it sparking the feeling of like oh i just want to make a movie now because they came up with a concept that's so simple and low budget to make i mean they accentuate it because they did get a bit of a budget for it exactly with some scenes but, that make you go whoa but the majority of the movie is just like people in places with a camera <laughs> you know it's like yeah exactly pretty and when you think about I suggest diving into, if you are hearing us talking about this and even a little bit interested in uh, horror movies, I absolutely suggest it if you don't know anything about it and dive in blind. But I really do find it amazing how simple the concept of that movie is. And movies like that always make me go, well, shit, I need to be, I don't need to be thinking so hard. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm all these ideas that I try to come up with when I'm making stuff. It's just like, no, that's too simple. But like, no, it's all about execution, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. So that being said, have you watched anything as of late? Anything new? Anything old? Uh, Anything somewhat in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) Anything from a period of time? (laughs) From Um, any period? (laughs) I, uh... I feel like I've watched other things, but what I was just watching today was The Queen's Gambit, which I think Ooh. you pointed out on our so last episode. So does this episode. mean that you've passed the first episode? You're yes. into the show now. Yeah, because I How texted you, like you after the first. I, I'm like three episodes in now. I really like it. I will say there was a moment in the second episode uh, that felt like a distinctly... Because the main character is a, a, a young girl, a teenage girl, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels authentic to that experience, and I was curious, so I looked it up, and uh, just want to point out that uh, all three writers are old white dudes, the director is an old white dude, and all of the mm-hmm. producers, like, there's three out of the ten yes. producers that are females, and they are, like, producing assistants and stuff like that. And I think that's an important thing for you to keep in mind while you continue the show. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. it's, to me, I appreciated that because the the creator of the show scott frank mm-hmm. i think we, i talked about him a little in the last episode mm-hmm. i really like him he's written a lot of great stuff he made a movie i really like called the lookout oh yeah yeah you saying it again because yeah. i just want <laughs> i want someone to watch that movie because oh, no one God. has seen that movie and it's got yeah. joseph, joseph gordon levitt in it like Love that on. guy i know but anyway he decided to make a movie with a female lead. And I think that that, or basically a movie, it's a miniseries. Yeah. It's a long ass movie. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it kind of plays that like uh seven hour movie thing that some miniseries these days play where some are more like yeah. you can just watch. Totally. I feel like some shows aren't that some shows are the show is leaning more towards that. But, mm. uh, I appreciate that he did it, but I also have to remind myself that, like, we can do better than that, too. Like, yeah. there should be more, you know, or I like to hope that maybe he was like, all right, Anya Taylor-Joy, this is, like, a really loose script. Help me write it because yeah. you are a teenage, you've been through teenage years, you're a girl. Man. Like, give me insight. But we don't know. Anya Taylor-Joy, man, like, I, I'll admit, when you pointed out last episode, I didn't... I 
haven't looked into her at all. I think I saw her in the the witch, the Vivovich. Uh, Holy <laughs> shit, she is um, so fucking good in so that movie. so good in it. But when you said she's like kind of a crush of yours, I was like, ooh, is that okay? E- yep. She's like 25. She's just got a yeah, young, no, she's young ass face. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, yeah. She she has been face. a crush of mine. No, she's beautiful. More recently. Yeah. That she's been playing like the movie Thoroughbreds. Another okay. plug. Mm-hmm. She is so good in that movie. And okay. it's kind of got a vibe of Yorgos Lanthimos, but will be mm-hmm. a lot more paced to your desire. <laughs> That's good. I yeah. respect Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh, his me filmmaking, too. But, but I absolutely understand his uh, pacing problems. I, I read a tweet that was like, Yorgos Lanthimos makes movies like he's an alien who was told, make a movie about what human beings act like. <laughs> because, like, they're all, like, kind of right. You know, like, the interactions yeah. between people. I like your watch. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I bought it yesterday. You know, it's, like, right. really, yeah. like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I appreciate that insight on the Queen's Gambit for those listening, if if you didn't know that, because it is important to know that like a bunch of dudes made this show, and it's important to know that it's fiction, it's historical fiction. So the story that they're writing, they had the power to write whatever the fuck they wanted, right. and they're writing that. Right. So if there's ever a moment where you're like, uh, I really hope <laughs> someone was involved in that. So do I. I also hope someone was involved yeah. in that. Yeah. But overall, I finished the show. I suggest you finish it too. I liked it. It was, yeah. you know, I just like things like that where like you're watching someone playing chess and you're, I'm not great at chess, but I know how to play. So sure. I know just enough for me to be like, this is so cool to watch, but I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but I feel like I kind of do. And I feel like one of the writers is like a chess aficionado and like literally wrote in like it feels very authentic and it but it also me also i was in chess club when i was in elementary school so i know how to play chess but i wasn't a a prodigy like she was in this story but um i recognize like a lot of stuff and i just know that what they're doing are actual moves you know and like it's actually they're not just moving pieces around for no reason a hundred percent. It's like when you watch La La Land and it zooms in on Ryan Gosling playing the piano and you're like, I've played piano just enough to know that that's <laughs> fucking like the notes, you know? Yeah, right. Totally. It's always cool to see stuff like that in movies. Oh, yeah. Or shows. Or shows. Speaking of shows. Speaking of shows, <laughs> let's get into this one. Gary with the transition this time. <laughs> gotcha. You're listening to A New Lens. It's a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we like as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. We've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode. We are almost done with season two. We've gotten to season two, episode 19, The Guru. After watching this one, after actually watching it again... I'm even more vindicated in my, why the fuck did they combine this attitude? Why'd they make that a two-parter? Like, this is a very distinct episode. And it's a perfect, like, cliffhanger. I can't wait until next week. But I think they aired it as two, didn't they? Oh, maybe. I didn't see that in any of the trivia I was looking at. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I thought maybe I saw that in trivia about a different episode, and I'm just remembering, because it, Netflix usually does an okay job at that, but I yeah. agree that 
posit. If you are right. listening to this podcast and you did posit, good. Because yeah, you're, Thank you're you. cliffhanged. Yeah. You're hanging by a cliff and Properly. it feels great, Oof. doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. The anticipation okay. is built so expertly. I think this is one of my favorite episodes of television ever made. Yeah. Of absolutely. any show. Absolutely. Like, and I don't, and I've, I think I'm going to say that again next very episode. soon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know for sure, but that's what I used to say about the next episode. But this episode was not just this time watching it, but thinking back and remembering watching this even younger, I realize it's like therapeutic. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's fucking therapeutic, and that's crazy to me that a kid's show can do that. But I'm not going to uh, suggest you watch kid's shows instead of therapy. But <laughs> if you're going to, do both. this is the episode. No, just... Do both. But yeah. Uh, this yeah. is the episode, or The Swamp is the, is the episode. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, um, but this one calls back on notions that he initially learned in The Swamp, yep, but from is, someone. Ah, it we'll feels like a sister it. episode, kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Almost. It does. Uh, so this episode's basically centered around Aang learning to master the Avatar state by going through a process with Guru Patik. His storyline with the Guru ties into multiple other plots brilliantly, including Zuko and Iroh opening up their own tea shop, Katara helping organize the, the attack on the Day of Black Sun, Toph trapped in a metal box, <laughs> the Fire Trio, as we've liked to call them, planning an attack from the inside of Ba Sing Se, and of course, Sokka reuniting with his dad. Ooh. And that's like the episode, and I said it in such a nonchalant way so that when we get into it, we can just dive into it because like, nothing about this episode is nonchalant at even all. Even with you kind of speeding through and trying to, you know, just like be casual about it, I'm like getting emotional oh and getting goosebumps and like, <laughs> like just being like, of and of course, moments. Sokka being reunited with his dad. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, we start off with Zuko and Iroh, and the very first shot, which I love, is this establishing of their new apartment, and I don't think they've said it before in the the show, but because he's getting these new opportunities and he's opening his shop, he has the capability to move up in this society a little bit, and we see this apartment, and I initially had the thought, like, that's nicer than I remembered them being in. And then they say in the first scene, like, we have this new apartment, which is, it's very cool. And it's very nice. They're on, like, the third floor. They have a view. Um, and these, like, harp instruments start playing. And uh, Zuko awakes from his uh, slumber and walks into the living room of the apartment where Iroh is making this thing called juke. Which on the on the wiki it says it's a fictional traditional rice porridge that's eaten in the Earth Kingdom. Um, it doesn't look very appealing. Oh, that's kind of cool though when you think sludge. about it. Like Iroh is like learning how to make this traditional Earth Kingdom meal. Yeah, you know? totally. So it, it's more like a it's like he's connecting with this culture that he's becoming a part of. You know. Yeah. Which is just beautiful, and I think Zuko recognizes the beauty in that in this moment. Yeah. Because this is a thing that, like, I don't know. To me, in the past, I could... Past me has seen this moment as, like, a little bit heavy-handed. Like, come on, you know? Sure. Because he basically is like, you'd probably hate it. And then Zuko goes, it smells, smells delicious. delicious, actually. And <laughs> yeah. he, like, wants a whole bowl. Yeah. But I think he is just 
like Iroh, appreciating the beauty of like something different, you know, like, yeah, mm, this smells like I've never smelled food like because that it's an Earth Kingdom meal and they're from fi- the Fire right, Nation. Totally. They and also fire flakes. <laughs> also, after being in the depths of this, like, you know, metamorphosis sort of mystical sickness where all we've all been there at some point where you're sick and you're just laying in bed and you're just like, oh, and all you can think about is not being sick. And rising out of that, I think he has some sort of clarity as far as how Iroh has helped him through that, what Iroh's done for him, where they are now in this nice new apartment. And he said it, I mean, it's informed by what he says. He says it's a brand new day. We have this brand new apartment. We got all this new furniture. You're opening your brand new tea shop today. And you just feel it that he genuinely is grateful for those things in his life, which I think he hasn't had the clarity of before. Yeah, ah. that's it. That's the word, clarity. Yeah. It's it's beautiful to watch, too, because it's it feels authentic. It doesn't feel like a he's a good guy now or something. It feels more yeah. like he just is grooving with Iroh. Like, yes. I, we are still not like Iroh's a good guy. They're still... Mm-hmm. They were Fire Nation. They were right. you know, now they're refugees. Now they're trying to make it happen, and we've always rooted for him. And now we're cheering for him. We're rooting for him and cheering for right. him. But he's still like, it's interesting how they can play that. You know, he hasn't completed a metamorphosis into a whole new person, but he is a more present and grateful version of himself. Exactly. Yeah. Scene. It's and it's um, really well done. Yeah, I agree. The next uh, scene that we cut over to. There's a lot of flipping around in this episode. The editing yes, is, is really well done because there's a lot of it, but it it feels smooth. We go to Sokka and Aang are sitting on Appa's head uh, with the Water Nation fleet in the background. They're clearly nearby and he's dropping him off. And Aang just says, you must be so excited. And we cut over to Sokka and he's like, I think I'm going to be sick to my stomach actually. Uh, he's just so nervous to to see his dad for the first time in years. For and, some uh, reason, it never made me feel things like it did now. But Sokka yeah. being nervous to see his dad made me tear up a little bit. Yeah. Because it just is like, that's how long it's been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like he's someone who just, like, ditched them. Like, his father no. left out of responsibility and left him there and... But it's just been this long, so he still is, like, unsure how his dad will feel about him, how he's going to... Is he going to be the warrior that his dad wished he would be? That's how he... At least that's what I sense out of his nervousness, you know? Uh, Sokka also asks Aang, are you nervous to go study with the guru? And Aang is not. He's excited to go and learn from a master and get some teachings on how to control this thing, which uh, I just find interesting, the different forms of anticipation that they have and how it works out differently for them you know here's Sokka who does come into the camp he's very nervous this is one of my favorite moments in the whole show he looks so cute and just like um and like he like walks smiling at him and then a guy just comes up puts his arm out yeah and there's a moment of shared understanding and then a guy behind him stands up and goes Sokka and then he just yeah, and he like stands up straight, tall. shows how tall Dude. he's gotten. Oh man, that moment right there! You're like, it just can't get any better than this. Yeah. And then they keep it going. Yeah. Then they're like, 
they like basically lead him and open a pathway to the tent Mm -hmm. that we know that's where his dad's gonna be and when he opens it i don't know why but it just there's something so special about the fact that his dad is like looking down and busy with something yes bato sees Sokka yeah taps his dad's shoulder like hey man like they're (laughs) buddies you know and he's like look who's here you know yeah i don't know it just and then Sokka. yeah (laughs) hey dad he gets up and they just slowly but not like so much slowed down that it's like just do it already but they slowly and calmly move to each other and just embrace and this the music is building up this whole time and swells in this moment and this is like 30 seconds of film but you feel the intense anticipation, the slight payoff, and then the real buildup and catharsis of Sokka finally getting to see his dad again. And they something, man. Oh. Those voice acting, just the Sokka. Yeah. Hi, Dad. Just yeah. They. Oh man, it just so much emotion in two little lines. I don't know if I've called out his voice before because I think he's only been. In two episodes before this, this is the first time we're seeing Hakoda, their father, in real time. I'm not sure if he said a line before, but anyway, uh, he's fantastic. The actor's name is uh, Andre Soliazzo. It looks Italian to me, so uh, that's how I'm pronouncing it. Soliazzo. But uh, he is fantastic as Hakoda's father. And I love the attitude that they share that we see a bit more as we get into the episode. But Yeah, uh, me too. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so from here, we go to, I think, the Earth King, yep. correct? Yep. And he is telling the uh, Kiyoshi warriors, who we Quote know unquote. aren't actually yeah. the Kiyoshi warriors, basically about... <laughs> about the fucking plan, He's, too. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, it's so nice to have... Uh, people that I can trust close to me now. Or he basically <laughs> right, says, yeah. like, you need to be able to trust the people close to you. And yeah. then he goes on to talk about the this plan to attack on the Day of Black Sun. And we yeah. get this awesome, so subtle. There's, like, a close-up of Azula's eye. And it just slightly opens just and then goes back to yep. just like a, oh. oh like, she didn't okay. realize yeah. that was coming. And that moment is a... <laughs> moment you know yes totally um he notes that it's the council of five that's going to be planning this and then we actually see them we cut over to katara with the council of five unless just in case we don't talk about the uh style of editing much more hmm. that's how this whole episode is edited yeah he'll someone will mention a thing and as they're saying it like the Council of Five will cut to the Council of Five, and then that's Sokka's or that's Katara's storyline, and right. then she'll make a comment, you know. And that's like a lot of it happens through Ang. Once we get to Ang through his yes. uh, journey with the Guru, totally, you know. But still, it's just I love good editing, and this episode in particular does it well. Oh yeah, because you never feel slighted at all. Like you no. get very or, full scenes very quickly. Here. Yes. Yep. Um, never jarring. Uh, all I really want to say about this scene, I mean, it's funny that Momo jumps in and like attacks one of these little pieces and Katara's like, we could just send Momo in. The generals are not he, having it. He just like lifts the pieces he up with earth bending and pieces. freaks Momo out. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, okay. Um, it sounds so simple and they have this very quick meeting. And the thought occurred to me is like, 
that is like so simple for a military meeting. Like they didn't talk through any details. But A, we the audience don't need to hear that. B, Katara doesn't need to hear that. They are having this meeting to inform her. They're showing her. Mm -hmm. It's not like their entire plans. They're just showing her like, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to invade. So (laughs) take this to the Earth King. She's like, yeah, great. And uh, runs off to give that information. This is when we cut over to the guru waiting for Aang as he flies in on Appa. The sun setting. This is one of my favorite shots of the episode, but there are like 12 amazing shots in this episode. But Appa with the orange sun behind him is just such a beautiful image. And we usually see him flying into like the moon or whatever, but it's just, I don't know. This episode is. If this episode had a cinematographer, I would be like, holy shit. <laughs> Not that's animation that's who I want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it now he feels like the episode team. does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he, Aang, approaches the guru here, and there's these uh, Eastern strings. I was going to look look it up. I don't know exactly what instrument this is. It might be an Erzu or a Gujang. I don't think it's a Gujang, but anyway, there's sort of this plucking that adds an. Yep. Sort of and it's familiar feel. too. Yes, it's, it's familiar not. It's well. it's a very familiar sound, and uh, I might be wrong here, but I feel like because sometimes the show isn't perfectly informed, and mm-hmm. I think that's an okay thing to admit. Yeah. But this sounds like an informed choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so. It's familiar to me, but it's not like it doesn't feel offensively familiar. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, I like, I think so, but I feel like we also it don't... can be. I've heard these sounds being used in comedies before, where I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, and that's the similar. What well, I kind of talked about him being a guru in the last right. episode, and them actually like saying what that means yes. instead of just using it as a uh, like a cultural crutch. Is that a word? Is yeah. that a term? I feel like yes. it can be you totally. Know? Um, this is also, and I think this is important, um, the Guru, Guru Patik is voiced by Brian George, who is actually, he was born in Jerusalem to uh, parents who had immigrated from Israel and India, so he is of Indian descent. I think that's very important <laughs> to point out that this yeah, character I mean, is being voiced by We're literally in not... a time where Hank, is Hank Azaria, yeah, is that his name? yeah decided to stop voicing a character because he's not of Indian descent. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, I don't know what we got to address that yep. because this is the time of things like that, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's the time of normalizing things like that. So exactly. That the rest exactly. of future can Thank be <laughs> doing yeah, I didn't, things like that. That could no, easily totally. be sounded as like, a, this is like just the time where that's happening, I guess. But I'm very glad it is. Yes, yes. Uh, um, I know where you're coming from, and uh, now the the listeners do as well. Um, we're uh, <laughs> we're introduced to Guru Patik, and he says he was actually a good friend of Monkeyatso, which is kind of like what? <laughs> how so old how, is this dude? Older? Yeah, no. Is he like exactly 120? I mean, he seems very old, but. But also not. <laughs> but also you know? not. He also seems pretty spry. Like, he... but then when you think about it, you know who else is just like that? Hmm. King Boomy. Yeah. Uh, who was Aang's yeah. friend a hundred years ago? He's yeah. like 120. That's a hundred and twenty. So point. that makes me think either a there's a different 
aging process depending on your level of connection with the spirit world maybe or possibly it's just an entire universal thing like maybe 120 150 is like right you know yeah the life expectancy in this world (laughs) sure sure man total deviation i don't want to spend any time on this but like king boomy Think about the kid you saw and the like wise person he's he's come to be like wise king of a nation like what went on in that dude's life but anyway. now that's making me think about a young guru petit yeah being friends with right? Gyatsu. like right or maybe he's like two hundred and he was old then too and Gyatso was kind of spry and like you know liked to pull oh, pranks yeah. and stuff oh, so oh, oh. he was probably a little a uh, little scamp himself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't friends with the uh, other, you know, right? The other Airbender. The yeah. other sh- sh- I don't want to call them shitty ones because they were dicks <laughs> to Ang in that episode. Just in that doesn't one make him shitty. It just yeah. is like one experience I have. But the Guru says he needs to start this, um, this training of becoming centered and learning balance, and he gives him this uh mixture, this shake, this <laughs> smoothie or whatever. Smoothie, it is. yeah. <laughs> um, and. Ang <laughs> drinks it and the there's like two frames literally like two frames of his like huge giant wide eye face as he realizes what he's drinking in this spit take and just whoops. it's like so quick you'd miss it if you weren't looking quick or uh weren't looking closely but uh he says oh it tastes like onion and banana <laughs> and he said yup yum yum and holds the bowl and i love the way head. he holds the bowl <laughs> yeah. over his head it's like a yeah uh but then we get a cut over to master Yu and shin fu transporting this metal cage that we know toff is trapped inside and they're sort of bickering like an old couple as to like where to go um which is just very funny these combinations of personality is very very i'm so glad glad we're seeing more of it now Yeah, yeah totally um, and then Toph tries to trick them by saying that I need to go to the bathroom and uh, almost tricks Master Yu and Shin Fu is like, come on, that's a trick. Which is funny when you think about it because Master Yu is a teacher and Shin Fu is like the underground wrestling guy. <laughs> right. But Shin Fu seems to be like way smarter than Master Yu, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, Master Yu. Or at Yu, least in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Master Yu is in a circumstance where he's teaching and he's the one in charge and nobody's questioning him. And Shin Fu exactly. works in like a fighting He's got where you've got natural like learn come diplomacy on, you know? and yeah. Um, and then I, we get this line from Toph where she says stuff like this a bit and it's honestly the only, some of the only times that I really am like, ah, I'm watching a kid's show and I feel like that fact is subtracting from it a little bit. She says, let me out so I can kick both your butts. And I'm just like, ah, can she just say ass? (laughs) Can she just (laughs) say, I'm going to kick your ass? Oh, like you can tell she wants to, you know, Toph the character wants to. I totally agree. I totally agree. But Shinfu has a comeback that's like, you think that you're the best, but uh, too bad no one can bend metal. And we get a nice close up of her hand on the metal. Yep. Uh, But we cut away and we've got the fire trio taking their makeup off and <laughs> um tylee saying like you know what's great about this is that may 
can actually wear makeup that's not so depressing. Maze just like <laughs> gives her a look. Ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but Azula's like, no. What's so great is that we're now on the inside and we can take this city down by ourselves from the inside. We can negotiate and organize a coup to be able to take the city down. We've been trying so hard to get at it from the outside and we're inside, which also, I was going to say, which also like how they get in, but they got in by being Kyoshi warriors, which... Well, I was going to actually say, what was their original plan when they got in then? Because this seems like a new plan for her. So she got, if their their original plan was probably just to kind of gain information, they got the best information possible and yeah. enough to be able to take over the whole city. It's another one of those things where it's like, to her, this is her destiny and it's becoming realized in this moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Azula expresses that there is this force that if you control them, you control the city. If you control the uh, uh, police force, I mean the the Dai Li, <laughs> then you control the power in the city. And uh, yeah, that's where we're left with that. We get to Ang and Guru Patik as the Guru is giving him this uh, lesson, opening up his idea of of chakras which he knows nothing about he's like what do you know about it and he doesn't know anything let's start with the basics and uh, i do want to point out that um this is a real thing for those of you that don't know they they sort of interweave um real historical and um you know significant information and practices in with some fictional stuff which i think we've touched on a bit is not necessarily always handled with care because they can be intertwined. So I think a lot of people might not know that chakras are a real practice they're, or, or, or a real thing. They're, they're focal points used in a variety of meditation practices, um, mostly associated with Hinduism. Um, so if you thought it was just an avatar thing, uh, look into it because it's actually really cool and there's a lot of stuff that's grounded in in real, I want to say mythology, but that's that's not, I think, necessarily the word I want to use, but um, in, uh, in, in real information about, about chakras and how they're used to navigate the body and center yourself uh, spiritually. Um, and he explains, you know, these creeks, he's got, the, they, they've got these levels of creeks with little waterfalls in between. And he describes the energy in your body as uh, transferring through these different pools as they're seeing in this landscape and, and, and in this creek. And Aang understands. He states it back. He's like, so these chakras are like pools of spiraling energy that are connected and move uh, through each other. And he says, that's exactly right. But life is messy. And sometimes things... Uh, drop into our chakras or into these pools and block the flow and so you need to open these paths so that all of them can be connected and you can have a, a proper healthy flow of spiritual energy it's it's really beautiful as well because it's like it's it's not saying you're always going to be this perfectly enlightened centered nirvana <laughs> of a of a human being it's like life is messy things happen but you are now going to be taught the practice of opening these things up. And I think specifically for him in this moment, he's saying, 
I think the guru knows, he recognizes that this is a vital point in time in general, and that Aang needs a cleansing of all of his chakras to become aligned and gain access to the avatar state. Because he's never had, like, direct access. He's never been able to just, like, do it or control it or have any sort of, you know, say in how it plays out. And I think this episode highlights an important thing for me about Aang Hmm. and it's that he's a human you know with problems in life but also that like being the avatar is literally like godlike and they they handle that really well in this episode like he's not he has to be fully enlightened before he can simply access like in the past it almost seems like a superpower or something (laughs) but that's not the case he's He's like a a force from the universe gifted to Earth, basically, yeah, right. to like protect human beings and like be the balance of the spirit world and the physical world. And like it's so much more cosmic and like yes. bigger than we've been able to fully understand. And this whole talk and episode like actually allows us to like understand what that means, right? You know, and like we've got gotten... basically Buddha. You know, yeah, right, and and like we've gotten the context that when you are accessing the avatar state, you are accessing all, of, you are connecting to all of your past lives. But like you said, it kind of has felt a little bit like a superpower, even with that context. Sort of how it mm-hmm. has played out, it's kind of like you have access to all the cool shit they they could do. But he's yeah. now bringing the the context that it's like, no, you are connecting to a greater whole. And giving yourself up while maintaining some sort of structure and control through that. Exactly. Oh, it's so cool. It's really it's so cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, we then cut to them in this cavern. They're going to open up the first chakra. They're down in the depths and they work their way up this mountain just like they're working their way up the body. Because this this first chakra is the earth chakra. It is located at the base of your spine, so like the very bottom of your core. It is about survival, and it is blocked by fear. And it makes sense. It's like the the base of your being is really about survival. I mean, not to get crass as well, but also like that's where you expel stuff. That's like your natural, you know, like consume food, get rid of it move your body from here if you are moving from the the base of your pelvis you are moving most efficiently and ergonomically um just speaking a little bit from my actor training but um this chakra is blocked by fear which makes sense survival and fear you you need to survive you need to seek out the things that will help you and you need to be aware of the things that make you afraid but you can't be controlled by that so he asks him to Think about the things that he fears. And we get these uh, th- these flashbacks through all of these, or not these flashbacks, well, sort of, but these sort of montages that are um, colored in different ways. And these colors actually do correspond, uh, they correspond historically to the chakras that they are described in, in practice, which is very interesting. That's like a, another real historical thing. So this first lowest one being associated with the color red is actually um has been used uh widely and what ang thinks of is zuko 
being captured by the blue mask and having blades to his throat. He thinks about Katara being pulled down under the earth and losing his friends, you know, the death of his friends. He thinks about himself in the Avatar state. He's afraid of his own power. And then most of all, he's afraid of the Fire Lord. He has a lot to be afraid of, (laughs) you know? This episode reminds us even later to just how much baggage Aang has for such a carefree little boy. You remember that there's so much blockage in his chakras. And that's exactly why he needs this. Not just because he needs to access the Avatar state, but like, dude is dealing with a lot of shit. Right. And think about when he was presented with the hardest thing he's ever experienced. He handled it pretty beautifully all in all looking back. But when Appa first was taken... He does not handle that in a healthy way. He has not been taught these things of how to handle these emotions. He was afraid that he would never get Appa back. But he was allowing that to block himself and not accept those things that he fears. And And uh, as you're saying that, I'm realizing just how well handled this particular episode is in what it's teaching. Yeah, If it's teaching therapeutic techniques mm-hmm. none of these are dangerous they're actually like good techniques yeah to an extent there is a point where it starts to become like okay now you're going to access like the cosmic energy Ooh, so let go right. you know when it, when we get to that point it's like mm, i don't that might be borderline well, i don't know but even still we'll get there because yeah, we'll like there. even still like we'll th- how there. it's handled is just presented in a way that might may, may be fearful but yeah. most of this feels like really like shit that i could just sit and listen to and do with them and it would be helpful for me you yeah know? it's cool uh guru patik tells him to let those fears flow down the river let go of his grasp of his fears and you you can feel him do so and also i want to point out each one of these we have 23 or so minutes to cover all these seven things and all of the other shit that happens in this episode. So he has very quick, like, he describes what the chakra is. He describes what it's about, what blocks it. He asks him what uh, his problems are with them. And Aang pretty much just goes along and does it. I think this is a artistically condensed thing of what i think canonically he would be doing because he even says when ang says when he drops off Sokka, he says i'll see you in a week so i don't know that they spend the full week i don't think that much time passes but i do think this is hours and hours of oh yeah talking about these things and processing these emotions that they artistically condense for for sake of us being able to I agree completely. Um, I th- I got it. the I, I got the feel that it was all the same day, but that it took fucking forever. Yeah, you know? like he got there. That sun was sunrise, right? And that's when he arrived. And then the end of this episode, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, right. That's how I feel. Uh, ooh, I wanted to say something. The sound design, the the noise used whenever a chakra is released. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Because that's all you can do, you know? It's all sound. Because you see, like, a feeling of relief on his face. Yeah. But then there's, like, this... It's almost like a droplet of water right. echoing or something. It's, Mixed like... With, because like, that's what it is. It's sound. flow. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely very very it's good really sound cool. design because it, it elevates that moment of him opening that flow in his mind in that aspect they cut right over to uh the second chakra they're outside by the waterfalls and he said and guesses he's like is this the one of water and guru says yes very good um this is the chakra of pleasure and that also makes sense you know it's slightly higher i don't remember if he describes where this one is but like sex organs <laughs> like what what makes you happy in your gut and in those feelings and everything but they are blocked the, these feelings of pleasure are blocked by guilt so he asks what do you blame yourself for what are you guilty about uh which is a specific thing guilt is is the the things that i have done that i feel guilty about that mm -hmm. i could have changed and that is i ran away I hurt people in the process. Like on on there's a flashback to uh the Avatar State, the episode titled that episode 1 of season 2 where he is pushed to being out of control and he knocks back all these warriors and he hurts a lot of people. The guru just said these things happen and you have to accept that they did and you need to forgive yourself. And uh also want to point out this was an orange uh montage which not only being like historically accurate to the content being used here, it's also just visually very, very engaging and helpful to determine. And it colors like red for fear feels like it matches like red, mm -hmm. danger, orange, those things you're guilty about. Orange doesn't necessarily immediately strike that fear, but the coloring over these scenes make it feel it like this sort really of well. negative memory yeah um but ang is able to release that as well he's able to accept that all those things happened he can't change them now and he forgives himself for it and now we get our first cutaway from this chakra training and uh it's Sokka working on these on these mines with his dad uh the tango mines it's cool to see Bato now unbandaged. Yeah. With just this huge, like, it's not cool that he's burned. Right. But it's a cool continuity. Like, yes. he now is more closer to being healed, and he's got a scar, and he's, like, a warrior. I don't know. Totally. There's something about it that just feels really, like, uh, he could totally just be the character with the arm bandage the whole show. Right. But he's healing, you know? Yeah. They only ran into him because he was separate from the army because he was damaged and now we're seeing yep. like how that damage progresses he heals and i agree um they point out that this bomb is all stinky and he says he uses scumfish and seaweed uh the scumfish like explode and cause a lot of damage and the seaweed causes such a smell that the your opponents have to just abandon ship and uh i call it the old stinking sink <laughs> and yeah it feels very you get where Sokka gets so much of who he is, you know? It is. It's so fun. It's a thing. It's a huge you know? smile Like on we've my said, face. Sokka's yeah. like a thing I can hear guy. Sokka saying that. Yeah. I call it the stinking sink. Right. Um, and even Bato kind of like rolls his eyes. I, I think he says something. You dude. are your father's right. son. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, I love it so much. Then they and you get... get the sense from that too. Sorry, but mm -hmm. I love that sense that Bato and Hakoda are like 
buddies yeah in his eye roll because his eye roll isn't just at this general moment right it's like i've been dealing with this for 20 years yeah you know what i mean oh hakoda (laughs) yeah also is this the moment where hakoda tells them to go prepare yeah because they get word that there's a fire nation fleet nearby so i was in this moment i was reminded of bato of the water tribe i bet bato told hakoda all about sokka's oh definitely coming of age journey thing you know what i mean definitely and that's not the only reason he's like and i said all the other men get ready for war right i bet there's also like just the the feeling we get you know of just like he's accepting him in and like validating his warrior identity yeah but it's also like he totally knows that he's a a man now air quotes to the water tribe for going through that his coming of age i forgot what it was called but it was like that cool the boat uh the uh it was supposed to be ice dodging right yeah yeah totally totally i just Um, like to imagine him being like proud of him from like a outside perspective yes totally i mean he also says why do you think i left you with the tribe i trusted and it feels you. serious always, it, it does feels sincere. He means, he's not just like you know building him up yeah he's not just talking him up for no reason he he, he would he would have had to leave someone else because he's literally right. leaving the whole tribe like yeah he could have left had Bato. To have trusted him yeah he didn't he trusted Sokka. oh um we now cut over to iroh opening his tea shop oh this moment makes me cry, actually, for being so sweet. This yeah. is maybe the sweetest moment because basically... what he says to Zuko? What he says to Zuko, yeah. Because yeah. he's so excited and Zuko says, you have every reason to be excited. You're opening your new tea shop. And then Iroh says, do you have it written down? I'm just thankful because you decided to share this moment with me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And then Zuko hugs him. Yeah. Oh, oh. they've never had oh. this relationship. You can tell that the built. hug at first feels what? Yeah. And then he takes it. Like Iroh yeah. is surprised by a hug from Zuko. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Oh. Tears are coming. Man. Oh man. Uh. It's beautiful. And it's there's something about Zuko's clothing even too here. He feels like he like it's flowing with his vibes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. He's just chill. I don't know. Now come on, Uncle. We got some tea to make. Right. Like, ah. Oh. Oh. We don't uh we don't linger on that too long though. We get back because we have <laughs> five more chakras to get through. We're on the third chakra now, the fire chakra. This one is based in your stomach. You know, fire breaks things down. Uh, <laughs> stomach. <laughs> stomach acids. I don't know. I'm trying to link these things together. Um, also, Iroh talked about f- the the breath in the stomach right. being the center of firebending. Yes. When he teaches Zuko yes, about, he did. you know, the four elements. So yep. it makes a lot of sense even in the context of this universe. Totally. Um, Ang says, my fire chakra could sure use some, something else than, something other than onion banana juice. The guru's just like, huh, good one. So the fire chakra is that of <laughs> willpower. <laughs> you know, it just goes right through yeah. it. Um, of willpower. And that makes sense. And it is blocked by shame, which we talked about guilt, which is like things I've done that I could have changed. Shame is about who I am. And 
that is why Aang goes to his experience with firebending before because he is ashamed because that he he's the kind of a person firebender. that a is able to bend fire and hurt people in that way and b i think it's inherent it's not directly addressed but it's inherent in this flashback that he is ashamed that he's the kind of person who would not have the care to use fire in a way that is careful Mm-hmm. And he was so brash with it that he hurt someone else. And so because of that belief about himself that he is not capable of handling this with care, he says, I am never going to firebend again. But the guru sees past that. He says, you cannot deny parts of your own life and parts of yourself. You must accept that you are the avatar, which means you are a firebender. For some reason, the guru uh, saying that line always really strikes me. Yeah. You are the avatar and therefore you are a firebender. Like him saying that to our main character whose job is to defeat a firebender. Right. Makes you go, wait. I don't know why, but it does. It just makes me go, wait. Totally. And then he's able to have this breakthrough as well, which again, I think probably took hours but he's able to do it and the guru points out that uh that one opened less like a flowing creek and more like a burping bison and then burps and he's like tasting something other than bananas and onions pickles and the guru just goes oh i love that like he doesn't even know he's just like i don't know man (laughs) um then we get a playing out of the fire trio's plan. We get uh, May and Ty Lee at the gates of the the Earth Kingdom Palace, the Palace of Ba Sing Se, talking about how I I don't want to wear this girly disguise anymore, and um, basically not wanting to hide that they. They reveal all the information, but it's done well. Like, they sound like they're genuinely complaining. And I think I actually even remember watching this as a kid and being like, why are they just saying all this stuff out loud? Yeah. The only thing that you can understand, if you really pay attention to it, they talk about having to wait for the Avatar to get the Avatar or whatever. Right. And knowing that Azula's plan involves getting the Dai Li... Makes yep. you kind of wonder why they didn't say, we just got to wait for the Dai Li or whatever. But you would never catch that as a kid or in the short time that right. it's brilliant. It's done so well so that that you can look back and go, oh, wow, that was a good setup, you yep. know, but not notice it until it happens. Yep. And that setup is the Dai Li are on these pillars and Azula, after they're done with the conversation, we see the Dai Li go away, walks out, had seen them, watching them on the pillars. So Azula's like even better at hiding in the shadows and conniving than the incredibly skilled team they're basically like leader. spiders yeah. up there, you know? Oh. She, she like knew that that would, yeah. We're really getting a sense for Azula's power behind the scenes here now. Because we've seen her fighting, and we know she's a badass. Yeah. But she is such a fleshed-out character at this point that we're seeing this whole other side. Yeah. It's awesome. We get to the fourth chakra, 
uh, we've been moving up. You know, you had the base of the spine, the the center of pleasure, and then you've got the stomach, which uh, they had yellow in that montage going back. Now we're at the fourth, which is at the heart, uh, which is the center of love. And this montage is green, which I love, just natural. You know, a lot of people associate, like, red and purple with, like, Valentine's Day, which I think is more a marketing thing that is of valentine's day that in our society like actual society has gotten into our heads a little bit but i feel like green makes so much sense it's such a beautiful color it's my favorite color i have green all over my room so i'm a little biased (laughs) but also it's a natural color it's it's a color of things growing and blossoming and uh it's in your heart it's the the center of love and it is blocked by grief and oh man, does Aang have yeah. some grief to work through? The way that they express that, yeah, is it's heavy. It's heavy. It's just we him see, floating in these clouds, and we see at first Monkeyatso, yeah, and Aang gets really happy to see Monkeyatso, mm-hmm. and then we see all of the other. Air nomads, in a and we notice going out this isn't just the five or six we've seen, or the yeah. twenty from. This is all of them. Yeah. This is his entire culture, culture yeah. laid out in front of him, and then, yeah, they slowly just disappear. They slowly turn into the clouds that he's surrounded by, and you see him re grieve like you see grief go over him again and he goes through the grieving process in the matter of like five seconds right again yeah and gyatso this is like the thing in the episode that i'm like holy shit this episode is just too good for what it is do you have it written down exactly what he says i'm sure you do because it's too beautiful for me to paraphrase their love has not left this world. It's in you. And it has been reborn as new love. And he sees Katara. And this is why I get a little mad. Not like angry, like, you're wrong. But like, you know, we had Tim on the show. And he's not the only person who I know is not a huge fan of the Ang-Katara romance. But this is this is why I love it. It is... Think it's about important. it. I mean, you could go, People okay, love. his his like entire idea of love in the world now is just Katara. That's a little like over romantic. But think about it. His people are all gone. He could see the other people, but the first thing he saw when he woke up from the iceberg was her face. And it's this shot. And that's what he's remembering is a new world that he's entering being shown by Katara, who's this beautiful, caring young girl who he loves and who cares for him and he can communicate with. It is the embodiment of positive, healthy love. And it's new. And I really think that there is a distinction between the way that everyone treats Aang and the way Katara treats Aang. Yes. And it's noted in the last episode when Aang is trying to talk to Katara and can't get it out. And then Sokka comes up and he doesn't ruin the moment, but he doesn't vibe the moment. Yeah. If if Sokka, and I don't want this, if Sokka understood Aang on the same level as Katara, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 
And because Katara understands Aang on the level she does, she simply says, like, goodbye and kisses him on the cheek. And she, like, you get that she got what he was trying to say. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by that? That moment emulates why this is a thing. Like, yeah, he loves Sokka, too, and loves Toph, and he loves Appa and Momo, obviously. But Katara, like, every single time Aang has needed someone, Katara wants to be there for him. (laughs) Yes. In just the way he needs. Yes. And I love this notion of the love that you felt for your people is not gone. And the love and their love for you is not gone. It still exists as energy in the world. And you are channeling it and giving it new life by feeling love. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Oh. And then <laughs> he ends the scene <laughs> by having come a little bit further and saying, can I have some banana onion juice? <laughs> you could tell that he's just like warming up to it now. Yeah. I love it. We get to the fifth chakra now. And it is the the chakra of sound. It uh, takes place in the throat. We're moving up here. And um, they're in this sort of big temple. Uh, you can tell they're getting much higher on, on the uh, mountaintop. And this is the chakra of truth. And it is blocked by lies, the lies we tell ourselves. And Aang has these flashbacks that are in this very light blue. And it's that I never wanted to be the Avatar. And that is a lie because you are the Avatar. You cannot go around thinking, I am not this. I don't want to be this. It's what you are. It's who you are. You need to just accept the person that you are. That's so much of what this is, is just accepting the things that you're feeling and letting them pass on. And that does help clear the paths in your mind. Oh, ah, so beautiful. And then as he is accepting this, accepting who he is, the avatar, we get the intro shot. We get this shot that we've never seen contextually in the show where it swoops down behind him and then it cuts to him on that mountaintop. Like this was a moment. Like this was an actual moment that happened of him looking out upon the land and thinking grand scale about who he was in the world, you know? And that's what is used in the beginning of the show. It shows where the priorities of the creators lied. And it will now change the context of that intro yes. every time. Every single We're gonna time we watch you see it. it, and he—it's gonna go from him looking out, wondering, to him looking out as the avatar. Right. You know. Yes. Now we get to the sixth chakra, and this is where it starts getting a, a, a little more, a little more heady. Um, I, I know what Gary's laughing about. But, uh, let me just establish a little bit. It's the chakra of light. <laughs> um, I I have to say right away. Yeah. This is maybe my favorite. Uh, look of the episode when we cut yeah. to this scene mm-hmm. the way that the sun is now almost set so it's shining this heavenly light yeah. on them and that's why they've chosen this spot right. on the side of the mountain for the chakra it's of light right there yeah and it's genuinely gorgeous this is some of the best like lighting drawing of the show i think i've seen i just love how it looks yes absolutely anyway. And here we are at the the chakra of insight. It's in the center of your forehead, your third eye, basically, as as a lot of people know it. And it's about insight and illusion. 
And this is deeper than truth and lies, which are sort of basic, like factual, uh, this is this way, that is true, this is this way, that is not true, and the lies we tell ourselves. This is more a, a little more grand scale and about how all things connect and the insight, the sort of natural intuition that you have. And the, uh, the greatest illusion is separation, that we are separate from anything, that, that we are all different, but we are all together. That is a complete illusion. And these flashbacks start coming in in this darker blue, as Aang says, just like the four nations are an illusion. And he says, that's exactly right. We are all one people. And this map that we've seen in the establishing Katara monologue at the beginning of every episode where the four nations lived in harmony, and it just the colors disappear and it's all green. It's all just a map. It's one land. We are all people, but we have this separation of these four different nations and the, the different colors reappear. And the separation of the four elements. And this is uh, when the monologue starts just becoming an audio thing. And we cut over to a different scene as he's saying, the four elements are are all part of a greater whole. I mean, even metal, when you think about it, is really just part of the earth, refined and molded to be a different thing. And as the guru is describing that, well, Toph is having a pretty similar realization, actually, as she is. And it's animated so fucking cool. Oh, it's so good. Her standing in this metal cage, and she hits it, mm-hmm. and we see that blue, like... Radiating, uh, like, yeah, like a echolocation-looking yeah. thing, but we also see little dots, little dots in this metal. metal. It's the, the uh, what I imagine her noticing the ore, the right. earth. Yeah, yes. like she realizes, and she hits it a couple times, and then she puts her hands on it in this way. Come on, yep. budge, and then we just, <laughs> and she just says. Toph, you rule. <laughs> and then if, we cut as she makes another yep. punch. If you don't watch this and hear her say that line and immediately go, yeah, you fucking do. I don't know what's wrong with you because yeah, I do it every time, even though I've seen the show. Me too, I'm just dude. Like, I know oh it's God. coming and it still makes me like go. This has been such a well-established thing. Nobody has ever bent metal in the history. It's just been a given, a blockade, that metal is not bendable. It's They've used why it as... the Fire Nation uses it yes. so primarily. Yes. Oh, man. But we'll, we'll get back to it. We get over to Katara, and she's deciding to uh, treat her and Momo to a cup of tea. Hmm. On the way to the Earth On the King way to, the to Earth give King. him this message, right? Yeah. Yep. And, Another uh, destiny moment, in my opinion. I actually really love how these moments are handled in the show, like how people are just realizing things. It all feels very like yeah, it needed to. It's, it's you destiny. Know? Yeah. She walks in, and Zuko is so happy. He's so happy just saying, this is a we tragic need two cups moment, of jasmine. And, oh, it's so sad. He fin- he's finally found this. And then this. Iroh... I'm brewing as fast as I can. Right. I love it. They're like having a a moment together for the first time we've ever seen on the show. But Katara doesn't We've never know. seen them like this. Yeah, and you're right. And Katara has How absolutely no idea that this isn't normal, that they're not faking it. Yeah. She doesn't know that 
what Zuko just went through. We want she to, has nothing. We want as an audience all to of her context to her. is bad. Yeah, it's but that's all the. It's such a she tragic has. moment because she immediately dips. Yep. immediately. Yep. Oh, and we have the anticipation of that as like Aang is going through all this training, and so far it's just been these sort of very well spoken breakthroughs for him, which is good character building, but it's mostly like a personal journey. But we've got all this stuff building up where he is not that is building anticipation on this because it's like Aang needs to be there to be able to help solve this. But now we actually get to the first time he has a real blockade with this. There's been some that the guru points out that he needs to be able to open up, but we get to the seventh chakra. It is the chakra of thought, and it is through your crown. It is the connecting to the cosmic. It is separating your own thought from the energy of the universe and getting in touch with something larger than yourself. You've gone through all of this and aligned everything you need to in your own body so that you can properly connect with the greater above, the the beyond, the everything. Connect with the universe. And it feels very mystical spiritually, but also you could take all of this and just apply it to your actual life. And honestly, I have in a lot of ways. And I want to be able to connect, to, to feel a connection to something larger. And, and that's what this is all about. It is, you are connecting to cosmic energy and your cosmic ties. And so what is blocking that is your earthly ties, the things that keep you invested in all of these things that can muck up your chakras these earthly ties and he says what attaches you and instantly he thinks of katara it is she is his grounding rock and he says now picture those things flowing down the river forgotten and ang can't do that also i love the beautiful purple that this is aligned with which also i feel oh, like goes man. very well with katara and her designs of her wear have been mostly blue but there's there's been purple accents at points and the coloring of these flashbacks is so beautiful and you get it he's in this beautiful moment and he even says like what you're i'm supposed to just let go of her i just realized and like the depth of my connection to her two chakras ago and that was a good thing and now you're telling me to just get rid of it and you get it. You feel it. It's like, what? I get it. I it's get so it. hard for me to understand this one. I still struggle with it, honestly. And it sounds like you have a better understanding of this this chakra than I do. I mean, oh, it, it, we're, we're already so deep into this and still have a good bit to talk about. But maybe we'll have a, a special episode where we just talk about chakras because... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really love this so much. And I love this one as well. It's not easy, I, I think. But your ability to see yourself not as connections in the world, my connection to Katara or the person that I care about most, but as just a being in this larger whole allows you to come back to yourself and be more invested in those connections having a greater perspective about it but you need to be yeah. able to detach yourself in order to understand how meaningful that is do you get what i mean which so i guess i just wish guru pratik also said that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because it ang truly in this moment is like i can't do this because yeah. this is gonna make it so that i can't love her anymore mm -hmm. and that's what i feel too like oh so if he does this he just won't give a shit about her anymore yeah like no right fuck no. that you know no yeah 
that uh, but i yeah anyway we could go on about that we we yeah yeah we, i i do like enjoy talking about it but um there's <laughs> there's some shit at the end of this episode katara runs in to talk to the earth king and he is gone there's three kiyoshi warriors she thinks she, i think she even says suki as she runs in and azula kind of looks like suki with this makeup on i think it's yep well and designed. she's like in a little bit of the shadows right and she steps out of the shadow yep. and that's when we get the zoom in and a glint of light on her eye yep. i love it like we've established it now that it's a thing but now we're establishing that katara notices yes. the eye color right so mm-hmm. it's a thing for the characters too yep. it's not just I think before we've talked about, like, do other people even notice that? Right. If they need to, if, like, in this situation, Katara is looking like, who is this person? Right. Oh, my God, her eyes. Oh, my God, it's Azula. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which does make you think back to when they infiltrated a, a Fire Nation, like, festival and circus and go, well, but they have but blue eyes. <laughs> those people weren't going, who are these people? Sure. You know? Sure. Like, if it's a situation where you're looking into someone's eyes specifically to find out, maybe that's what this is showing, you know? That's fair. And that's real life. Like, I can't tell you the eye color of the last 10 people I talked to, you know? (laughs) Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's actually a good point. Um, But Katara accidentally now gives Azula all of the information (laughs) because (laughs) now she knows Zuko and Iroh are here, too. And she's got the scroll with <laughs> right. the attack plan God in her it. hand. And Ty Lee just, like, floats over to her, basically. Yeah. Like, does a flip she and just grabs her neck and incapacitates her. She doesn't realize, like, oh, it's Azula, Ty Lee, and, and May. Yeah. I think she's like, oh, shit, she's Azula. Unprepared. And then all of a yeah. sudden, she's taken out. Right. You know? So now we get back to Aang and the Guru. And Guru Patik is trying to say... You must surrender yourself to the the cosmic flow. You must feel yourself in this greater uh, greater perspective. And Ang actually accomplishes it, accomplishes it for a moment. He he watches Katara float away, and he feels himself float away from Dude, the Earth. This shit, it's some of the coolest imagery. Absolutely the visual. Uh, of a cosmic version yes. of Aang in the Avatar state with his hands in that yep. position. Holding an and orb his legs purple. Yeah. Just floating down into to be this at the end of the path, path that is winding through the universe. Yeah. It's Genuinely think about beautiful. it's like one of those things I think about outside yes. of the context of the show. Like one of you those say, images. this yeah. is one of those for me. Absolutely. Where I'm like, when I think of like cosmic and I think of thing like oh my god, yeah. I imagine that like yeah, absolutely up there Me with too. like an orb. It's like yeah. see, it's it's being held. It's that like combination of control in, but also release of control. You know what I mean? This yes. balancing yeah. of seeing radical your, acceptance. See, yes, seeing yourself in the universe, but also seeing the control you have within that and allowing yourself as the universe to like take you in. It's so yep. fucking like huge. And uh, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. Mystical is not the word I'm looking for, but it'll do for now. Yeah. Like I'm just imagining all the parents and their kids that watch this and their kids being like, what <laughs> what does this mean you know and the parents being just like yeah going through therapy basically right. and being like oh <laughs> yeah. i don't even yeah n- i don't oh yeah. yeah um but in this place 
in touch with the universe and how everything is connected, he feels something, something appears to him that is vitally important. And it makes sense. It feels like, like you said, destiny, this, like, he knows this is happening because he needs to know in this moment that Katara has been captured. She's in chains and it all fades away. And he starts running back down this path as it disappears behind him. And he just falls back to earth. He is just instantly without intention grounded back to the earth and not allowed to really have that full release of this of this highest chakra and he says he has to go he starts leaving and the guru tries to warn him if you leave now your chakra will be locked and you may never be able to go into the avatar state at all and ang has to go he has to save what matters to him most and i absolutely love it as ang flies yeah. off Honestly, all I can think is, that's so fucking awesome. <laughs> like, fuck the Avatar state. Aang's going to beat the Fire Lord without it because he loves Katara that much. You know what I mean? The only reason, that's what yeah, I think. The, the only reason I agree with you is because part of this process has shown us so much that you must get completely in tune with yourself and all of your emotions and everything before you're able to you know, sort of detach yourself and see yourself on a cosmic scale. This is something that he needs to deal he needs with. to deal with for himself as a person. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and then we get like the most the coolest oh, thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> is this the coolest thing ever? It's, it's it like be. the coolest thing ever. I, I think it is. So we see uh, Shin Fu and uh, Master Yu, Master Yu on their little cart, and we just hear the sound of that final punch that we cut away from last time. Yep. The kang. Yep. And we're like, what the hell? And they get out. <laughs> Master Yu's like, must be another one of her tricks. <laughs> He's like, trick? There's a big hole <laughs> in the cage. And then like, there's a giant hole in the cage. <laughs> what kind of trick is it? Like, what? And then they turn around, and there's Toph. Nope. There's Toph. I'm the real deal. <laughs> and then she just... Like traps them in between rock and then poof, forces them back into the cage and then just like fabric launches herself. Yeah, she like uses the earth blower to just like poof, launch herself the ten feet that she needs to because she's like a three foot tall girl, yeah. you know, yeah. and just grabs the cage and crank, cinches it closed like and fabric, it is just like the... she's pulling curtains closed. She just yes, crank. oh. And then she races what away. What does she say? Um, as <laughs> she's racing, or she she stands up tall and she says, "I am the greatest earthbender in the world, and don't you nincompoops ever forget it." And then just jumps, lands in the earth, creates a crater that like forms like into the a matrix, wave around like Neo her. at the end yes. of the Matrix, and she then like just bends all, <laughs> like surfs she... the earth. <laughs> it's like and they even the zoom out and you get a wide shot of her just like of just this dust just trail <laughs> fucking flying down Ooh, and then we get the two stuck and shinfu's like i'm gonna be stuck in here with you forever aren't i and master Yu's like i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> oh there's a good callback oh. joke and uh 
But yeah, that's maybe one of my favorite things that happens in the show. Yeah. It feels so cool when she's... Oh my god. She's just realized <sighs> that she is the greatest earthbender in the world, and then does not only the, like, thing no one's ever done before, the metal bending, but just, like, some of the coolest earthbending we've seen so far. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. I feel so bad for Sokka. This is actually Dude, the moment the glance. Where, where he says, I trusted you to look after the tribe, but... uh yeah, Aang lands on Appa. All he does is look at him. In this oh. glance, man, yep. this can't be good. Yep. But then I do love how Sokka looks back as they're flying off with a look of like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Yep. And his dad looks up back at him and smiles. Yeah. A wide You're smile. You're doing the right He's proud. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Oh, man. I'm, I've got the chills right now. Yeah, I'm tearing man, up a me little. Too. It's so good. Oh, God. Um, Azula is brought down into the, the Dai Li prison and we get this, uh, we, we get this conversation of Long Feng playing directly into her plans and offering her a deal. He says, I want to re- regain control and to do that, I must, I, I need the Earth King's, tr- or you have what I need is, which is the Earth King's trust. And I have what you need, which is I can get you the avatar. And uh, we get one more quick flash away from this scene as, oh, Iroh gets a message oh, that says that they've been invited to serve tea for the Earth King. And we know. And he's so excited about it. Think yeah, about dude, that. It's fucked he's up. made such a life where he thinks... I mean, he has legitimately been given his own tea shop and it's successful and everyone thinks he makes the best tea and now he's been invited to... It It would make sense if he was invited to serve. It feels right. Yeah, it, it doesn't right. feel like a trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would see through a trap. Oh, it does not feel it like it. It doesn't feel like one, but it, it I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Me too. And then we just get this cut back to Azula being taken away and she's just smiling because everything's going to plan. What? an end to an episode so the last episode was filled with good setups then oh shit yep this episode just continued it (laughs) it just kept that feeling up of like setting up so much and then oh Oh, shit shit. (laughs) you know what i mean like ang was this close yep and oh shit shit. Sokka was this close and then oh shit ang might fuck up being able to go into the everybody was just about to like execute a plan that they have been wanting to execute Except Toph, who was in a bad place and just got to do something dope. You're right. (laughs) That's very true. And Azula, who was in a neutral place and now has high ground. All right, we're not going to forget it this time. Kimbo of the week. We cannot forget the Kimbo moment of the week. Can't forget the Kimbo moment. So, yeah, what do you got? I think there are a couple funny moments between Guru Patik and Aang, particularly yeah. uh, Belching Bison and mm-hmm. Yum Yum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are some good ones for me. Uh, yeah. How about you? What do you I, got? I wrote down a couple. I, I really like the uh, Master Yu and Shinfu. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, I like that Momo tackling the pieces. But I, I think for me, it goes to um, the burp and I taste something yeah. else. What is that? Pickles? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even have that much word, th- that many like sounds of words. It's just, mm? 
<laughs> yeah, he like shrugs his shoulders. Yeah. And what's funny too is like, wait, didn't you make it? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you should know. Uh, but I, yeah, think I think there is it. just onion and banana in it, and so. But that doesn't even it matter. It's, like it's a... the kid, the kid aspect of it, where it's just like, that's funny. It's just funny. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, what an episode! Uh, thank you for uh, letting me ramble about chakras a bunch. I I have a bunch more to say too, and I'm not even very studied. I I want to make sure and say that like, I I know there's way more that uh, can be researched and talked about in that, but. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it. If you are looking for something else to listen to as well, you can always check out our actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. That's on legendary4.com, as well as uh, all of these episodes. There's comment sections on all of those individual episodes that you can check out. Thank you to Sofina Sago for our cover art. Check out those donation links to different ways you can help out the Black Lives Matter movement in the description, as well as the featured donation link. Uh, we'll be back with the finale for season two. We're almost done with season two, man. We're almost two-thirds oh done with the gosh. show. Uh, that'll be coming out for you on Wednesday. And uh, I hope you're staying happy and healthy of body and mind. Till then. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. I have to go to the bathroom.